Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house. I think I got the direction right into the future. We're going to my right. There we go. Happy to be here. We have three Experts on a very interesting topic. It is now November what? November 2nd, 2022. How did we get here? The year is literally zooming by. It just seems to be flying for those of us who made it through the past couple of years of just horrible things going on around the world. Still a lot of horrible, but health-wise, I think we're in the recovery stage. I hope, I hope, I hope. We're coming up to the holiday season, and come on, you're going to buy gifts for somebody, maybe for yourself, but my goodness gracious, I like it, I don't like it, I hate it, I love it, it fits, it doesn't fit, he likes it, she likes it, they don't, they want to give it back, do I have a gift receipt, oh my goodness, we're revisiting a topic we started several months ago, (laughs) retail and technology. How many happy returns? What does this all mean to retailers? Let me give you a couple of buzz quotes. I have a quote here from digitalcommerce360.com. Go find it if you want more. Retailers expect 17.8% or, let me put this in dollars, you'll all understand, $158 billion of merchandise sold during this 2022 holiday season will be returned. That's from the NRF, National Retail Federation. And there's no way to avoid it if you're in business. Returns have become a major headache, cutting into profits and straining resources. It's a fact of life. I have another quote. This is interesting from Deloitte.com. 37% of American households they recently surveyed said their financial situation is, no surprise, worse than last year. But they're going to cut into non-essentials because they still want to be socializing during the holiday and they still want to give gifts. But they're going to pull back on the number of gifts purchased. They're going to shop in fewer online and brick and mortar stores. They're going to shrink the shopping window to 5.8 weeks versus 6.4 weeks last year. And they're planning their shopping already started in October. Say what? Say retailer? Seriously, Matt is nodding his head. Yes. And I have one more quote from Forbes from a columnist named Blake Morgan. Customers during the 2022 holiday shopping season are looking for brands that can provide personalized convenient solutions. They want an experience. Victoria is nodding and Proffel is nodding. I see you nodding, Proffel. Those are my guests. I'll introduce them in a moment. Yes, please nod. They want an experience, not just, oh, I bought it. It looks nice. It's going to do this. They want an experience around it. And we will find out, I think, from my experts today what that all means. So whatever this means to you, this is Technology Revolution, the Future of Now. I'm Bonnie D. again, and we want to get started with our special guest. Just wave when I introduce you. Matt Lakaitis is back. Matt, welcome. So much happy to have you. Prafel Karanth is back. Prafel, hello. Love the background. And Victoria Wick is back. Victoria, she's busy. She's got a reality show. She sold her book. She's on Bravo TV. Victoria is our, our retailer in the media person today. Victoria, we're happy to have you. And I met Victoria several months ago at the National Publicity Summit, and I was so intrigued with what she's doing as a retailer in the trenches that I invited her on the show, so we're happy. And we have to do a shout-out to Navjeet Basin, 
who is unable to join us. He was on part one a few months ago. He is under the weather, coughing and not ready to talk. And Jenny Gorlin, who works with him. So shout out to Jenny for communicating with me and to Navjeet. We hope you feel better. Let's go around the table and get some updates here. Matt Lakaitis, Matt, you've been on a couple times with me. And over the years, you've been on many of my SAP Game Changers shows. I'm guessing, Matt, conservatively, don't be offended. I think there are 11.3 people in the world right now watching who don't remember who you are. I I don't know what's wrong with those 11.3, but would you please give them an update on what you've been up to? Matt, welcome back. Go ahead. Great. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Appreciate it. Always great to be with you in the audience. Um, but I'm uh, Matt Lakaitis. I'm privileged to serve SAP's customers and consumer industries globally, and that's uh, retail and consumer products, uh, plus a few other uh, industries as well. But we're all focused on helping customers deliver these great experiences, understand all these trends, and then be successful in relating to those consumers. So uh, returns is a huge part of that topic, which I'm excited to talk to you and the team about later today. Matt, I want to know a little bit about your background. How did you get into this? Why is this important? What's your passion for retail? Well, just a little bit more. Remind us. Uh, I've been I've been in and around retail almost my, my whole life, actually. I, uh, I grew up, one of my first high school jobs was in retail, and uh, family members were involved in retail. So it was always very exciting to see the connection between the consumer and, and, and the product, the experience. You know, not a lot of people did experiences back then, but those that did really got it right. And I saw the power and impact of doing that. So I've been very privileged to be in the nexus of technology and retail for about 20 years now, uh, most of that with SAP. Thank you very much. That's what I was looking for. And Matt, if your experience is anything, then we should all have ended up in retail as professionals because we were all buying stuff and returning stuff from whenever we had some spending money, right? This, this is an experience that we've all had as customers buying something or watching our families buy something and maybe return something. So very, very interesting. Yeah, um, I'm trying to draw a parallel here for how people end up in their professions. Matt, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Prafal Karanth, welcome back. So happy to have you. And would you please, I'm just going to guess the same 11 point, well, maybe 11.2 people don't remember you. So talk to them, please, Prafal. Welcome back. Well, thanks, Bonnie. I think I'll make it easier because my messaging is the same as Matt's. Uh, my my background uh, has been in retail since I started my career. Uh, so I grew up in the industry and then got into consulting and technology at SAP. Uh, my passion is about retail. I'm an industry advisor. I focus on supply chain across retail. And from an industry vertical, um, the way SAP goes to market, we focus on grocery, fashion apparel, and hardline um, customers, which is your home improvement, consumer electronics, furniture, bedding, et cetera. So that's, uh, that's a privilege that I have to, to work with customers in that area. And returns for some customers is, is harder than others. And so excited to be part of it. Thank you very much. I will tell you that I recently ordered appliances. I just moved and the appliances in this kitchen are between 10 and 20 years old and I decided not to take a chance. So I ordered new from a major retailer. I won't give the name. And I couldn't believe that on, let's see, when did I move? September 30th. When I ordered them on the first week of October, there was an availability of a delivery date profil of October 26th. I grabbed that so fast that your head would have spun. It's like, give me my credit card. Let's go. I'm ready. And then five days later, change to your order arrived by email. And the news was not available till November 28th. So here we are a month later and all the plans to renovate the kitchen 
out the window, literally. I'm living. The appliances are fine. What I've got, but I was shocked. Are we still seeing? You know, it became cocktail party lingo, supply chain. People were talking about supply chain. They didn't know what it was, right, everybody? And all of a sudden, two years ago, supply, well, I'm telling you about what supply, oh, that damn supply chain. Everybody saw, so are we still seeing in major appliances and electronics supply chain issues, Praffle, just briefly? Yes, I think we are. Uh, I think sometimes it's used as a, as a crutch about supply chain. I think <laughs> there is time now where some retailers and some of the other industries have learned to grow with it and either started stocking up more inventory, Mm -hmm. uh, allowed products to sit closer to where their consumption is. Um, And so you're trying to alleviate some of that. And so while it is supply chain, and I think the flip side of returns is the other trending is the last mile. So getting your new appliances to you and keeping that commitment, keeping that promise, which obviously you're suffering from. And then (laughs) if I like it, I keep it. If I don't like it, do I have to now? It's a pain to return it. So uh, there you so go. Absolutely, it still exists. Especially the big stuff. And I noticed that if I'd gone on and rebought everything at the time I got that message, it said it was available November eleventh. 17 days sooner than what they told me. So I had to call three stores and they said, only the store you bought it from can talk to you. Nobody else knows about your order. We can't, it's not in the big system. It's only, okay, thank you very much. Let's go on. Thank you, Profil. Victoria, you. so happy to have you back. Our, I'm just calling you our retailer in the trenches, the real life life of a real, real retailer. Victoria, please just tell everybody who you do, who you are, what you do about your jewelry business, about a little bit about how you came here. It's a very interesting story. Victoria, welcome back. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, back. <laughs> so I, I'm a retailer, uh, but I what I do is uh, I do jewelry design. So part of my business is in the wholesale space where I'm on TV shopping. I've been on TV shopping for 25 consecutive years. And I don't know if you know this, Bonnie, or not, but I was told that I am the, I'm the person who's been on TV the longest consecutively, 25 years every month forever. Wow. Um, and um, and then I have a retail, a truly retail business where we design custom uh, bridal jewelry. And I do that with my daughter. And returns there is really different than what I do in, in mass. So I do that. But just brief background. Um, I came here as an immigrant with my parents uh, when I was uh, early in my early teens they basically brought us here with 30 bucks. I don't know what they were thinking with the family of seven, but, um, you know, uh, some tough times and, um, you know, just started working retail jobs, you know, from working at drugstores to whatever. And I've always fallen in love with helping customers. And I just always had the curiosity about what stuff sells and what doesn't and what, you know, there is a real common thread about uh, things that are being returned and why they're getting returned. And it just kind of amazed me uh, for for the first 20 years of my career where retailers kind of refused to listen. You know, they just always thought customers were cranky, they were bitchy, they, you know, they were pickier customers or whatever. Um, So it's it's an interesting time that that we're living in right now. Thank you very much. And can you just brag a little bit about your uh, your appearance on Bravo, if you'd like to for a moment? Congratulations. Yeah, so I was on, um, so they told me that I can't talk about it, uh, about the whole episode or whatever, because obviously they want some drama, you know, to happen when the episode airs. But I was on Below Deck and uh, where I was supposed, you know, they with six other powerful women, mostly CEOs of pretty large companies. 
And so we sailed around the Italian Riviera for a few days. We got wined and dined. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting when that show airs. I, I understand that it is now the number one show in America. And I was privileged to be on that. And, and then I recently sold my book, um, wrote the book. You know, during the pandemic, the book had to be rewritten several times because the world was changing right in front of our face. And uh, so anyway, as of this morning, um, I saw in the, one of the literary newspapers that my book, The Million Dollar Passion, has, was mentioned as the, you know, the deal or whatever. Like a, so it was kind of, it's kind of satisfying, gratifying that some publisher actually wants to invest in my idea and my book. So. It's well, con- congratulations. Really, congratulations. Very, very nice. And, and uh, I'm happy for you. Imagine coming here with a family with seven people. Was it seven kids or seven people total? Five th- kids. Five, five kids, kids, two adults, yeah. and $30. That's, that's a, yes. And here you are traveling around the world. And congratulations. As, as my team would say, Mazel Tov, Victoria. That's very, Thank very you. exciting. So let's go on. It's time for and a shout out again to Navjeet Basin from New Mine, who was on able to join us today. Uh, his company, New Mind, launched the industry's first returns prevention SaaS solution. There we go, to help retailers reduce product returns and bring clarity to the returns performance. And we're sending you our best wishes. Let's go to the part of the show where I've asked my guest to send me a fictional quote from a movie or TV character or a song lyric that has on the surface absolutely nothing to do with our topic today, which is many happy, how many happy returns in retail this holiday season. And Matt, I'm looking at this very interesting quote. I never heard this one. Buddy the Elf, played by Will Ferrell, or Pharrell, however you want to call him. The movie, of course, is Elf, the 2003 American Christmas comedy film. It inspired the Broadway musical. Elf the musical, wasn't that appropriate? And an NBC 2014 stop-motion animated TV series, Elf, Buddy's Musical Christmas. It's considered among the greatest Christmas movies of all time time. And here is the quote you have selected. Congratulations, you did it. World's best cup of coffee. Matt, I have no idea what this means for our topic. Please enlighten me. Matt? Well, thank you, Bonnie. It's uh, it's certainly the number one movie in our house uh, growing up. We used to watch this all the time, and it's just a really good feel-good movie. And Buddy the Elf is this very uh, almost overly simplistic character, but he makes it to New York City walking down the street and is captivated by this neon sign in this dive diner that says world's best cup of coffee. So he bursts in with all the enthusiasm that Buddy the Elf is known for and says, congratulations, you did it. World's best cup of coffee. And the people that work there have no idea what he's talking about because it's really just, you know, it speaks to marketing, right? The, the power of marketing and sending a message without really having that connected. But I thought it was relevant just because uh, the, the topic around the holidays, the returns, and just this natural exuberance and the power of, of putting a bold vision out there and then hoping your, your team can live up to that vision. Very, very interesting. And, and Matt, getting down to the whole idea, everybody, of holiday shopping, you do it to make people happy, right? I'm thinking of you. I thought you would like this, or I thought I would like this for myself, or I deserve it, or you deserve it, or I went out of my comfort zone spending-wise. What? We have to return it? So there's a whole happy, sad anticipation, disappointment. There's a whole cycle. If you, if you look at the psychology, I don't know if anybody's done this, look at the psychology of the emotions of the buying cycle and the questionable return cycle. How do you feel when you return it or somebody else 
ask you or you know that they did. And then we know about regifting. I don't want to get philosophical here, but there is a whole, a whole, the exuberance you, you mentioned, Matt, there's the idea of I'm going to buy a gift for somebody I care about or somebody whose name I drew in the Santa pool at work and I have to, right? And hope to goodness they don't return it. Yeah, it was ugly, but it was ugly sweater day. What can I tell you? Okay, let's go on. Thank you very much, Proffel. So many memories. Proffel has picked a quote from Peyton Elizabeth Sawyer Scott, played by the actress Hillary H-I-L-A-R-I-E Burton. The TV series is One Tree Hill. It started out on WB and then went to CW. There was some companies moving and buying and selling in there. American drama TV series from 2003 to 2012. She is a fictional, talented visual and musical artist who has a heavily guarded heart due to so many lost loved ones. Proffel, I'm really trying to put emotion into this. <laughs> she finds love from Lucas Scott to Jake Jagelski, and then back to Lucas Scott. The character has been said to be blown away every stereotype the media has placed on cheerleaders, and she is a walking contradiction. The show is set in the fictional town of Tree Hill in North Carolina and follows the lives of two half-brothers, Lucas and Nathan, who compete for positions on the school's basketball team and the drama from their romances. And here is the line Proffel has selected. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. You don't like the person you become? Then do something about it because no one's gonna do it for you. Proffel, help me out here. What does this have to do with our topic, please? (laughs) You know, I think... uh you know, I, I mean, obviously, you have a lot more history on on the person who who gave that quote. But I look at this as as something about not about what you talk about, but what you do. And when I look at returns, is 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 a great example. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody talks about returns and how to make that experience better. So where I sit from a retailer's perspective, as I went through this processing returns back in the mid '90s. It's also your own people that are suffering because the returns have increased. So you've got to do, it's about time to do things. And, and I've always been told by when I was growing up, my parents is what you can do to tomorrow, do today, what you can do today, do now. And this is kind of similar in that don't procrastinate. It, it is a big issue. It will be a big issue this year as well, especially in coming January where these returns are going to be processed. And, and the fact that if you can take bold steps to address it will make your consumers happy, will make your employees happy. Thank so. you very much, making everybody happy. Isn't that what the holidays are supposed to be about? That's why it's happy returns. And that's right. That's why I made that the title of the show. And it's interesting that, it, that one has to wonder if we were more careful knowing what we want what we think will make the other person or ourselves happy if we do our product research, why would we ever need to do a return unless it was a defective product or unless it was misrepresented and misadvertised? Why would we ever, isn't that interesting, Matt and, and Victoria and Proffel, why would we ever need to do a return if we knew what we were doing in the first place and the, the vendor, the retailer, represented accurately what we were buying and they the manufacturing process was good and it came all ready to go. 
Wouldn't that be nice in an ideal world? Thank you very much, Proffel. Let's go on, Victoria. I love this quote. This is from Mrs. Gump, played by Sally Field. The movie, of course, Forrest Gump, 1994 American comedy drama film, which in 2011 was selected for preservation in the U.S. National Film Registry as being cultural, historically, or aesthetically significant, all of the above. It's about several decades in the life of a slow-witted man, played by Tom Hanks, and kind-hearted from Alabama, Forrest Gump, and his experiences in the 20th century U.S., it's different from the novel by Winston Groom. He wrote the novel in 1986. Here is the quote, and Mrs. Gump is known for unconditionally loving her son, and a lot of her dialogue is in the form of slogans. So here's the slogan she said at this part of the movie. What does normal mean anyway? I, I'm not good with accents. Victoria, how'd you find this one and what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. You know what? I love the movie. Uh, it's just a feel-good movie. And um, it really speaks to me, you know, about all the different ways we, um, you know, can survive through whatever. Um, I love that what's normal anyway. Um, it's also about unconditionally loving someone. So in, you know, retailers, instead of resenting our customers, you know, however difficult they are, um, you know, you got to learn to love your customer. You got to fall in love with your customer and their problems because if you can solve them, they're very loyal to you. Um, going back to your original, and I love uh, what Profil had to say about what you can do tomorrow, do it today, because my dad used to drill that at me all the time. And so I don't procrastinate. I just like, if I see something, I just get it done right there and then. And I have a rule, which is Whenever I have an email or anything like that, if I open it, I answer it. Like I basically mm -hmm. uh, solve the problem right there so you don't have to go back and do it again. Because yes. he always told me that if you can't do it right the first time, how are you ever going to find time to do it the second time? If you don't have time to do it the first time right, how are you going to find it? To, you know, time to do it a second or third time? So, you know, that's sort of my work ethic. But when it comes to loving your customers unconditionally, in my um, the personalization business, you know, where my daughter and I have a custom design jewelry business. We've been open for five years together and get this, our price point is, average price point is $15,000. It's a bridal, millennial bridal ring. And we've had zero returns, zero, not one single thing. What? I know. Isn't that crazy? Matt, Matt can you believe that? Zero no. returns. Profil, zero returns? It, wow. We, you're yeah, on we, the wrong show, Victoria. No, you're on the right show. You're going to tell us how to do that. So go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, and I'll tell you, in my TV business, that return rates, I mean, through the roof. Um, so basically, in the custom jewelry business, we sit down with the customer. We work with their emotions, you know, like to tell us about your relationship, what makes her so special. So we get to really understand the person's personality, explain to them ahead of time. You know, if you go with such a thin band, which is like such a uh, trend right now, you know, you might regret that because you don't want your ring, wedding ring to, you know, date you, that kind of thing. So we kind of explain to them pros and cons of every option they have and work with it, work, work, work with the sketches and all that stuff. And we charge them good money. They, they really appreciate that personalization. Um, in my TV business, it's a, it's a total opposite where you have to kind of guess what they want and kind of like go with what you think the, a broader sector of your customer base would love. And so when I first got into the TV business, believe it or not, they, I asked them what, what your, uh, you know, rate of return, they told me at that price point that I was at, it was 58% or something like that, which was like very, very high. And I decided at that point, there was no way any, any business can sustain itself with that return rate. I mean, if you consider mm -hmm. shipping, coming back and forth. Yeah. So 
you know, eventually, again, I worked with, um, you know, we got a lot of focus groups, customers, you know, going on. It's, you know, right, sitting right at, right now about 30% or so, but still it, it cut it down to about half. And that is a sustainable business model. I mean, it's not like the most profitable thing in the world. But when it comes, so going back to my quote, the norm, you know, what's the norm anyway? Because you can see the example of zero to, you know, pretty high and everything in between. So, you know, the, my whole idea is that not to be kind of focused on what the accepted rate is. Because accepted rate for me would be perfection, which would be zero. Thank you very much. Yeah, by helping your customers and solving their problems and making them very interesting. And Victoria, your your model of working one on one with a customer at that higher price point. I don't know in jewelry if that's a high point. It's it's money. It's It's a lot of money. It's it's high. The question is, you're working personally. You're involving them in the creation of the item they say they want. They're committing to work with you. You're working with them. It's an eyeball to eyeball, either in person or on Zoom relationship. But you're right with TV retail and and Matt and Proffle with off the shelf retail. You don't get to see these people. You don't know what's in their heart. You don't know why they're buying it or if they can afford it or for whom it is or whether they're treating. You have no idea. So personalization at a different level. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Victoria. Let me just read the quote that Navjeet Basin has sent us, even though he couldn't be here today. This is interesting. And I I have trouble saying the name of the TV show, but I'm just going to put it out there. The quote is from Moira Rose, played by Catherine O'Hara. Some of you may recognize the, yes, it's from Schitt's Creek. I'll just say that. Canadian TV sitcom. (laughs) I know, Proffle. 2015 to 2020 broadcast on on CBC and pop for 80 episodes in six seasons. I tried to watch the show. I, I just couldn't get into it. Here's the quote. This is very interesting. You must prepare for life and whatever it will throw at you. Good quote for retailers, right? Prepare for whatever. We're just going to leave that one on the table. Thank you all for the quotes. Appreciate it. Great information and great interpretations. Matt, let's move on to our predictions round. I've already put one into the chat for you. Uh, Profil, I'll put one in for you in a minute and one for Victoria after that, and then we'll go around a couple of times. But what I'd like to do is, Matt, I'm going to let you unpack your prediction. And Profil and Victoria, if you want to comment, this is not a real roundtable, but we'd love comments. If you have anything to agree or disagree with, with Matt, raise one of your polite fingers on whichever hand you use at me, a nice finger, and I will see you wiggle the finger and I will call on you and just keep it to about a minute of response to whatever Matt said. And if it's contentious or provocative, Matt, you can respond back. So here's what Matt told me for his, we're using prediction number one. He says, retailers will continue to outservice, air quotes, each other in all aspects of the shopping experience, but will especially leverage the return process in new and creative ways to connect with consumers like never before. I'm going to stop there and let you finish it. Matt, please. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. I think this is uh, certainly, you know, one of the one of the famous Christmas songs, I think, is it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? And this really is the most wonderful time of the year from people like us that are so passionate about retail and help people deliver better retail experiences because there's so much creativity and innovation in the whole shopping process and I think what you're going to continue to see is is brands and retailers competing with each other around what that ideal experience should be like. We know that consumers rightly have ever escalating expectations. So if they go to Bonnie's retail store and they get a great experience, they expect that plus more when they go shop with Proffle, right? And that's their right to do so. So it's always very exciting to see 
how different brands prepare for the, the holiday season and, and what new things they come up with. And I think especially this year with the strategic importance of returns and the relevance of returns, and more importantly, the impact it can have on the customer relationship and the business. You know, I think Victoria described two very uh, binary examples that, that she went through very well with her around the custom and the psychological aspect of being involved in that process, as well as kind of the off the shelf, if you will, uh, and that's less participatory. But there's there's all kinds of things in that continuum where consumers, in some cases, buy more because they know they can return or they want to have a better experience. So I think that the smartest retailers are going to continue to embrace this concept of returns. They're going to continue to optimize it to make sure it's not just a a freewheeling money drain, but it's a tremendous opportunity for them to connect with that consumer and then deliver a better experience as a result. In your appliance example, just think if the if the appliance uh, retailer had said to you, you know what, I know we committed to you the 28th of November, but we've had a gap now, we can get it on the, on the 11th of November, right? So you didn't have to discover that yourself, right? So I think you're going to see innovations coming you know, like people focus on the last mile for customer delivery. Maybe they'll focus on the last mile for returns. Maybe you'll see mm-hmm. some mobile return vans processes or something like that come out. But it'll be exciting to see what what brands come up with this holiday season, specifically around leveraging returns for a better experience. Thank you. And I remember when I was in Durham that you could return anything you bought on Amazon if you needed to at Kohl's. You yes. go into Kohl's, there were clear arrows, and the store was, even during the pandemic, the store was so incredibly squeaky clean and smell clean and look clean. And it was just, you you felt safe going in there with the mask and you went to a returns desk and you didn't have to pack, you didn't have to wrap. All you did was just bring it with your QR code on your phone or your tablet. They scanned it, they took it, they thanked you and they gave you a receipt and a, a discount coupon to spend in the store that day. Matt, what a smart partnership, Kohl's and Amazon. What an experience. It was really, I wouldn't say life-changing, but it was retail mindset changing to be the consumer who had to return something. And they were always polite. There was rarely a line at that desk. So it wasn't like 100 people waiting to return stuff. Of course, you could go any time of the day as long as the store was open. Anyway, anybody want to comment on the outservicing Victoria Proffel or we'll move on? You both good? Okay. Yeah, I think, oh, I think the, ahead, one, one, sorry, the one point I would make Bonnie, yes. is, is, again, back to Victoria's two numbers, dramatic you know, re- return rates. Uh, in, in mass retailing, yes, you cannot do what you do with custom jewelry and that connection, but that doesn't stop, should not stop a retailer around getting, in, in retail we say the nirvana is get closer to your consumer and then serve them on their terms, right? Uh, you can get closer and what we call consumer intimacy can happen on the one-on-one that Victoria does with the custom jewelry, but that shouldn't prevent them from getting to know what the consumer, what brands they like, what are, what are their, you know, how much do they use the stove to kind of know what kind of BTU or what kind of, you know, look is look important. What does your rest of your room look like? These are all different, you know, not necessarily all of them, but, if you can make that connection and use things, I know I've talked about metaverse and we've talked about metaverse, but if the consumer really connects with that product and it's not just a skew on a website, yep. you will see a decline, maybe not down to zero, but certainly you will have that return. So I think as Matt said, that experience, we all talk about the consumer experience. I talk about the employee experience of processing the return. Yep. 
but that experience needs to come to the return side of it is make it convenient yet make it easy for down the supply chain so they give you money but your retailers is not a cash drain for them on the other side so i think that is absolutely leveraging technology leveraging outsource services is ways you can keep yourself as lean as you can uh, when doing returns. Thank you very much. Oh, I didn't turn off my audio on my keyboard. I apologize. Matt, anything you want to say back to Profil? You good? Oh, good. Thumbs up. There we go. Okay, let's go. Profil, I'm looking at your prediction number one, and you say retailers will leverage market, this prediction, retailers will leverage marketplaces where con- customers can list their return wares in a revenue-sharing model and help facilitate the exchange pickup drop-off using crowdsourced courier partners. I'm going to stop there. This sounds, yeah. <laughs> is it revolutionary or evolutionary? Victoria wants to hear this one. Profil, talk to me. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I will admit, I, you know, in, as we have the opportunity to interact with so many retailers, big and small, and, and this is a very loyal, great customer of ours that focuses on furniture. They're not the, the big um furniture retailers, but in talking with him and with a couple of other retailers, they were talking about a somewhat of a concept like this, which made complete sense to me, which is I buy a product and that product then travels from my home with me to a store or I send it back to a digital native retailer back to the distribution center. It gets put in stock and then gets sent out to the next order to sunk to Bonnie right? Mm-hmm. We all talk about sustainability and carbon emission. That returns really blows up in the face of sustainability. And the, the prediction that I have is you've got technology, you've got crowdsourced uh, careers like Uber, Lyft, uh, just to mention two of them that we use normally, is why not, what is today's somebody's return is tomorrow's somebody's need. And if you can match that with a marketplace to where I ship, I hold the product, I don't send it back to the retailer, and the order pops up that Matt needs it, Matt is about 10 miles away, right? You've got all these Facebook marketplaces and all these other marketplaces. Mm-hmm. Why not I, as a retailer, allow me to create a shipment, either pay me for my delivery or have UPS or Uber pick it up and deliver at Matt's house? Because that minimizes the footprint. It minimizes the effort that I need to do to go ship it back to retail or go to a UPS store or go to the store. And I can partake in the revenue share because there is a huge cost of not bringing that product and processing the return and putting it back on the shelf from a retailer. So it's to me, and I, and Matt gets it faster. So to me, that's a kind of win, win, win. And you brought two customers together, leveraging the power of technology. So that. Interesting. A- Matt, do you want the product that Profil doesn't want? Absolutely. Profil has great taste, so I'm always happy to take <laughs> I knew you'd step up on that one, Matt. I just knew you would. Very interesting. So it's almost like the return process will become like an eBay. Like, this is what I have to sell. Do you want it? I paid this. I'll take this for it. But the retailer doesn't have to touch it again. Am, am I right on that, Profil? Yeah, absolutely. And and you you asked Matt a right question. Is it's used, right? So it doesn't apply to everything. Okay. It it, it might apply to an appliance that hasn't been damaged, and and there is mm-hmm. some you can put you know uh, some fences around that in terms of damage you return, but others you don't. 
so I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting that that will eliminate returns, but it certainly allows the product to travel efficiently to a home that's going to be in use, not as a return. Circumvent. As they say, somebody's uh, garbage is somebody's gold mine, right? And so. I used to uh, teach eBay selling for adult education in Long Island, and it was somebody's trash is somebody's treasure. Yes, the same. That's, that's what it is. But right. you'd probably have a time limit on it, though. You're not going to let it sit for three months or six months. There must be a time right. limit. If I can't sell it in the first 20 days, I will send it back to the retailer. Victoria, any thoughts on that for your business? Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't think, like in case of your furniture or even appliances, it doesn't always have to be used. For example, like a couple of days ago, I ordered, Bonnie, you're going to get a laugh out of this. First of all, I'm not that tall. I'm actually short. And the fashions right now is like those real tall Palazzo pants that are wide. I don't even know why I bought one, but I, I bought one. And they sent, um, they made a mistake. They sent something, it was a, a cargo of pants, that, the fabric, everything was wrong. They clearly had a wrong item number. So this item never got used. Mm-hmm. Um, the color was off, the fabric was off, and everything else. So I had to actually be inconvenienced and take it to like a happy return center. I didn't even realize that, but they have like postal annexes that'll take returns from different retailers. So I went over mm-hmm. there, they gave me an instant credit. But like in furniture, a lot of times when you buy something, um, you may, it's, it will say sage green or something like that. And you get it, it's kind of like a brownish, uh, whatever. So a lot of times it's, you know, when you look at what they're returning for, it could be the texture, it's not comfortable, whatever it is, it's not mm-hmm. you. And then it has to travel all the way back to a warehouse in North Carolina or wherever it is. So I think that, um, I think the idea has some legs on it. Thank you very much. Matt, anything you want to say about that? You said you would, because Profil has good taste, you'd buy no, it. No, I, I think that's right. This is a subject that's top of mind with all of our customers. As Profil yeah. said, we speak to so many of them, and we're privileged to serve them. So we're seeing, we're seeing the, you know, this, this concept of e-commerce as well, right, where you, you mentioned the time limitation. Yeah. Uh, so the after, after use, basically. So say you have a great experience with a product or brand three years, five years down the road, do you want to do, you want to do something different? You have the ability to re commerce that, and brands have uh, largely been left out of that. It's been all these secondary markets, but they want to actually take more control of that because they want to still be part of that brand experience for those consumers, and they also want to uh, inspect the, the the product to make sure it's still up to their quality standards. So we also have a parallel uh, path and a parallel business where we're working with them on those sorts of things as well, which is an extension of the returns process. But yeah, there's there's all kinds of really creative ways that retailers are remaining relevant and still delivering that great experience for their for their consumers. Thank you. And I will say that uh, consumer education needs to hammer home, <laughs> bad word, sorry, needs to emphasize, read the return policy before you buy. Because I bought a bunch of dresses, Victoria, from a very popular out there all over the web, and they look gorgeous on the models, in the photos, and they arrived, and it was nothing short of a bad Halloween costume. The fabrics were <laughs> almost plastic. Everything was printed on. There was nothing. that It wasn't fabric. It wasn't woven. Three, yeah. it, was, it was beyond disgusting. The sizes were wrong, the color. And I found out that in order to ship it back, they were requiring me to ship it back on my own expense of $75 on a $200 order overseas. And I went to my credit card processor, and I said this was fraud. 
and they credited me with the full amount, but the retailer sold my credit card number and it was hacked mm. the week after. And I had to get a brand new visa and I had to, st- you know, have no idea how many payments yeah. automatic were on yeah. that visa on regular on my accounts. And I had to go back and re- regenerate or put in brand new credit card. And it was a miserable experience. So they got back at me. They refused to accept the return unless I paid over $75 to ship it back. You know where it was going. Anyway, so there you go. So read the return policy just in case be an educated consumer let's go on victoria i'm looking at your prediction number one this is a sassy one you say millennials will be the largest consumer block and they value choices this holiday season they'll look for variety of selections while retailers try to stick to the basics in order to optimize their inventory and also let's talk a little bit about the experience around the product, as I said in my opening, not just I'm buying this, I'm buying this and the experience. Victoria, go ahead. So um, give you some context here. Millennials, I mean, there's been numerous studies on um, what millennials love. They love experiences and they love choices. So what happens is, you know, like in my business, for example, I might offer um, a ring in ruby, sapphire, emerald, and a diamond. And they will buy two or three of them, and be, knowing they're going to only keep one. So they'll buy two or three. Now, on top of that, they are very irresponsible. So even though we give them exactly how our ring size guide, like you can actually go to a printer and print and just kind of put a tape it and put it on your finger and you know exactly what size ring you are. But, you know, they're, they're kind of not exactly uh, with it. So they will, you know, I'm not sure if I'm a size six or a five or I might even be a six and a half. So they'll order all three sizes in multiple choices. So you can imagine if they only if you're lucky and they keep one, uh, you've got about five different rings coming back. So, you know, I mean, this is something that's w- retailers, maybe you, Matt and Profil can deal with their customers in that regard. But I mean, you certainly can't do this with appliances. But in clothing, Bonnie, as you know, a lot of, like you said, sometimes you don't know because different brands have different sizing requirements. So you might be a size four in one brand and size six in another brand and size eight in another brand. Millennials actually will choose two or three different backup sizes. And um, so that return, uh, they are the biggest shopping block uh, and they're going to continue to grow as, as a block because they're making more money, you know, and doing all this stuff. And they continue to love their choices. So the only thing that they're not returning are things that are personalized for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you engrave their name, uh, you know, on a ring or if you know, uh, alphabets like uh, your initial jewelry, like necklaces with, your, you know, K or whatever your first name is, uh, those things have a very low return rate. They love those personal choices. So kind of understanding, you know, how their mind works will lead to innovation at some point by retailers and, you know, all the way down the supply chain. Thank you. Very interesting. Matt, Profil, anything you want to say to Victoria? We good? Okay. So, uh, Buddy, I, w- I will say this. I think that's uh, Victoria makes a great point about millennials. They love choice. They love experience, but they also love sustainability. They're big believers they in, mm-hmm. in in climate change. And what, one of our, again, another privilege we have is we work with a lot of our partners, right, who coexist with us in, when we go to the market. One of them that I happen to be a part of their uh, program with us focused around the buying experience of calculating how much did that ring cost from a carbon emission 
all the way from the from the mines of Kimberley mines in South Africa to make it to your home. And they put it out there so that a customer who really talks about sustainability is willing to contribute and make their orders carbon neutral. So it's a donation to a predetermined list of projects that are earth friendly that focus whether it's deforestation whether it's forestation in the Amazon or whatever it is but it puts them in control of what they want to opt in they don't have to get it do it but if they're really they focus on sustainability what and as Victoria's mentioning this I'm thinking they could do the same for returns if you're into sustainability and you're going to return this that's how much it's going to cost from your home back mm-hmm. to Victoria and back to the stock and that dollar amount are you willing to to really, you know, use the reverse of getting it to you to now returning it is how can I calculate that carbon footprint? It can be done. Retailers are are embracing that because they are now giving that choice of sustainability of carbon neutrality back to the consumers for millennials that really care about it more than any other generation. Very no. interesting. Victoria, yeah. go ahead. I just want to uh, co-tell on that a little bit. So in my... Um, the personalized business, our customers are millennial uh, brides-to-be. And uh, it's interesting. We don't do any um, diamonds out of Kimberly Mines. It's, it's all lab-grown diamonds. They're different than like a CZ. They're actually grown in a lab exactly the same, you know. So we're the only company out there, the only company that does 100% lab-grown, all gemstones. We use only recycled metal, so there's no new mining going on. And uh, we use you know, all recyclable um, uh, packaging materials as well. So when millennials come to our site, because we're the only one that does all of the above, that you already have an understanding of what you stand for. You already have an understanding of why they came to you. And so that, you know, build your trust factor with them is already built from day one. And I think that that emotional connection, again, you know, uh, helps you, kind of understand why they return all, all that stuff. So yeah, that's really very, unfortunately the TV station I'm on now, uh, we're not able to do that because the entire station is not, you know, that way, but I, as a brand can still do that. And therefore my return rate is actually quite low compared to the industry standard, but it's about half. Interesting. So you're creating the experience that matches aligns with the values, Praffle. That's what you're talking about. Aligns with the values. Matt, anything you want to weigh in on before I move on? I think there's three points. I, I think just the awareness and, and being able to make choices is the is the real key there. I will tell you all that since I moved to Tennessee, I've been looking for a hairdresser. So I looked online to see who could, who likes red. You know, who who can handle red? It's a it's a different a different ilk from other. Anyway, so I found a a website for a I don't even remember the name. Their promo, their web page profile was so much about carbon neutrality and sustainability and the green origins of every product they used. They never really talked about their hair designs or the colors they could do or the customer service. I basically read, I hope this word doesn't offend anybody, a manifesto of their value system in creating a sustainable environment through their business in the world. And I couldn't find anything about why I would even go to their salon. I might say to them, congratulations on your values and what you're doing for the world. But it didn't talk to me as a customer on what I would receive there in terms of service and and consideration as a person who just wanted to 
you, you understand. So I, I think it, it can go a little bit too far. I'm sorry. It's just way over the top. I wanted a Harris. I'm thrilled you're in green. I'm thrilled you're into sustainability. But just tell me, what's it going to cost me? What do you do? How will you welcome me? And then tell me about your policies. And I think they got it backwards and inside out. Let's go to, I want to introduce two quick predictions from Navjeet who couldn't join us. And I'll go around quickly for comments or we'll just leave it. And then Matt, I have one picked out from you. He says, retailers will become more invested in analyzing return reasons data to identify which returns could be avoided in the future. Interesting. That's number three. And his prediction four is retailers will start to use this return data to better demand the better, do better demand planning and forecasting. So he's talking data, data, data. Matt, you want to say anything about this? I'm sure you can align with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the philosophy that we've uh, that we've worked together with retailers on for years, right? It's that having the power directly going back to the product designers, the product design teams, to make sure they take that feedback into account. If there's something wrong with the fabric, the texture, the fit, whatever it is, right? They can spot those early, and and uh, the demand planning is continues to be a huge part of that whole equation for sure. That's why they ask you why you returned or why you unsubscribe more and more. It's check the box or tell us other profile. Anything you want to say about that? Yeah. You know, when you, when, when you're hearing about processing return, return codes, this is at the DC level, not what the customer, you know, customer may have said what the, you know, you have to select a reason, right? But that could Mm -hmm. just be a check of the box. That processing and what the reason codes, the disposition codes, is something that I did personally when I worked in the warehouse back in 94, 93, 94. So that process has not changed. What has changed is the ability with technology to link those returns to all the way through suppliers, if you're not manufacturing anything or or if you're manufacturing through product design. As As Navjeet said, linking those returns in the number of quantity back into somebody else that's doing sourcing and getting, you know, this mm-hmm. damage because of a material working with the supplier. It works with demand. So I know what demand and how I need to reduce this. So what technology is allowed is every part of the organization that may not physically touch that return, which is, you know, profit that's in that warehouse. Now that data is, is pervasive across the organization for each one to take that what we call single source of truth mm-hmm. and utilize it in communicating with suppliers and creating orders in designing products and working with, you know, so I think that is really what, you know, what I, I completely agree with Navjeet is it's about data and, Thank you. That's why I picked these two predictions. I wanted to get that in there. We have about four minutes left, but Matt, I want to sneak in here your prediction number four, which is interesting. You say brands will continue to focus on adding gift cards and creative options to enable choice for consumers in part to avoid returns. As a result, the percentage of gift card sales will go up, especially in apparel and footwear. Oh my goodness. We, 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 I probably should have picked this one first to talk about how do you avoid returns in the first place? You just give them basically the blank check for a certain amount and say, go buy what you want. Matt, I can give you three minutes and then 40 seconds for each around the table. Go ahead, Matt. Sure. No, I think this is just going to be another another potential example of data and choice, right? And here the data and choice is actually at the retailer brand level, right? So uh, Profil might have a return and the retailer might say, you know what, as a service to you, Profil, why don't you just keep it? Uh, or it's it's less costly for the retailer to absorb the cost of returning 
both from a pure cost and a carbon uh, footprint perspective. And they might just say, why don't you, here's, here's a $10 gift card for you, right, to, to enhance your experience with the brand, right? Think about the difference there. Uh, forcing you to pay for your $75 return on your $200 order versus <laughs> saying, just keep it, donate it, whatever it is, here's some more money that you could have, right? It helps everybody. It helps the planet, it helps the retailer, helps the bottom line and delivers that better experience. So I think gift cards is just another example of how you're going to see continued innovation in using something that's been around a long time, but using it in new creative ways going forward. And does that explain why when my family orders flowers for my birthday or other special occasions, it has a box of chocolates inside (laughs) extra? The flowers are beautiful. I don't need the calories, but boy, that was good. Thank you very much. Victoria Proffel, you want to comment on what Matt said about gift cards? Anybody? Proffel? Yeah, I think think the concept of gift cards is great because it puts the ownership, the choice to the person receiving the gift. And so returns naturally comes down. Where the challenge is and where it would be really breakthrough for retailers to now, they know you, I bought the gift card for Matt, but now when Matt goes to spend that money, that is part of the connection to the customer is to create mm-hmm. that connection between Matt and I and the retailer. And that's a little bit of where they lose that customer is it started off with me providing that gift card. But there's a lot of value as long as it can be tracked. Uh, a lot of innovative things leaders can do to get closer to these consumers. Thank you. Victoria, one-minute comment. Go ahead. Anything? I, I love gift cards. I love Matt's idea. Um, and I think that every return is an opportunity for you to turn that customer into a loyal customer for life. You make a simple mistake, and then you your attitude and your compensation for that and how you handle that return could uh, you know cause you to end up with the customer and maybe everybody in her circle. So I love the idea of gift cards. I love because it's easy for us to do as retailers yes. and uh, to cement your relationship with them. Once they walk in the door, it's every opportunity. Every interaction is an opportunity. And I, I love that. In my family, we started doing gift cards online for my granddaughters, for my son, for his wife, for my daughter, her husband. Uh, we started doing gift cards years ago. The trick is, do you give a gift card to a realtor you know they like, or do you give what I'll call an aggregator gift card just to Amazon, just to iTunes, so they can have anything they want? That's the challenge of giving a gift card as to which retailer do you give it. I want to say thank you to all of you. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I learned a lot. A shout out again to Navjeet Basin, who is ill, couldn't join us. Shout out to Jenny Gorlin. I think she's watching. I saw her. I saw her name flash by on my screen here. Um, Matt Lakatis, always a pleasure. Really, seriously, I appreciate you. Prafal Karanth, always so many interesting insights. Victoria, you're, you're my superstar here. I still can't believe your family came with seven people and 30 bucks. And look at you now. If my friends could see me now. Okay, I want to say thank you to our very friendly and very efficient engineer, Andrew, at Voice America World Talk Radio. And I want to say thank you to David Ide and Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, who are my colleagues, and they just keep the station going. And it's doing very, very well. I'm very proud to have my shows there. So I just want to say, my three panelists, I want you to get ready. We have a little homework assignment here. I want you to, get to wag your finger. And on the count of three, when I say one, two, three, you're going to say no, no, no. People say the future is already here. And we say one, two, three, loud. No, oh, no, no, oh, no, no. Oh, we got four no's out of that. I think five. Let's do it again. The future is here, and we already say no, no, no. no." no. (laughs) Very good. That was yesterday's future, and we're all here 
to make this future a better one because it hasn't happened yet. Bonnie D saying goodbye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 